Welcome back to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. We have a very, very special guest for you, Coach Mike Berger, the subject matter expert for all things weightlifting in the world of CrossFit. And we dive into many, many interesting topics. We talk about his 32 years as a physical education teacher. We talk about how he found CrossFit and how he started leading the CrossFit weightlifting seminars. We talk about drills that you can do not just as a coach, but as an athlete. So much more. His geezers, cowboy coffee. He's just an amazing guy. I love talking to him. This was one of my favorite interviews because he really opened up. We talked about what he wanted to do as a kid, his biggest influence being Father Lang when he was a football player at Notre Dame, and what keeps him motivated in his 70s to still work out the way he does, to still coach other people, and to still be a part of this amazing community. Coach Mike Bergner is one of the good people. He's one of the people that do things for the right reasons in this CrossFit space, and it was really a privilege and honor to talk with him. And I'm super excited to share this with you. If you've not checked him out, if you've not checked out the weightlifting seminar, it should be high up on that to-do list. So chill out, take some time, go hit some snatches, and listen to my interview with Coach Mike Bergner on today's episode of Best Hour of Their Day. All right, I'm here with Coach Mike Bergner. Most of you would recognize that name because he's CrossFit's subject matter expert when it comes to weightlifting. So welcome. Thanks for being on here. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate being here. It's very early Pacific time. Well, not very early, but 7 a.m. You you said you've been up since 5.30. Are you drinking, um, cow, uh, what do you call it, cowboy coffee? <laughs> there it is right here, brother. Is it is it truly the cowboy style like you've talked about? Not, well, the the true cowboy coffee is when you take a nice pot, a steel pot, and you boil water, and then you throw in a shitload of uh, ground coffee, and you let it boil continuously for about four or five minutes. Then you take it off the the fire, the stove, and you have this wire ring around the uh, around the pot, and then you take your gloved hand and you start swirling it around your head so the centrifugal force puts the coffee grounds at the bottom. And then you have that with a little bit of heavy cream or, you know, butter and MCT oil. I'll tell you what, you don't have to eat forever. <laughs> Do you regularly make a bulletproof coffee, though? Yeah, I, I usually will have bulletproof coffee. I go in stages, you know, I mean, I'll have the bulletproof coffee for a month in a row. Then I'll say, OK, I'm going to go on just heavy cream and and use that with some NCT oil. And, and you know, either one, it, it's the, the bulletproof coffee really has a great taste to it for me. I like the flavor of it. And it's, it sits with you pretty much all day long, you know, And but the heavy cream's got a distinct taste as well. And I like it, too. Yeah, I love bulletproof coffee. It's I wake up in the morning and I'm excited. To have it. And, like, and like you said, if I don't need to eat, 
if I'm eating before noon or one, it's simply yeah. because I want to eat. I'm full all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same way with me. And, and I'll take it and have, uh, you know, the geezers work out Monday, Wednesday and Friday. So I'll have that before my morning workouts. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I get involved in, in the workout and then I start drinking, uh, you know, some kind of a pre-workout like uh, earth fed muscle revive or something revival or something like that. And I'm telling you, I'm fired up. <laughs> so, so for 73 years old, almost, I, I can still get fired up with stuff. You know, you are well recognized as one of the most liked people in all of CrossFit. What is it simply because you're older? Is it because you're 73? People just like <laughs> older people? What's <laughs> I, th I think that might be part of it, although my wife would probably disagree with that statement, you know, because I'm still ornery and cantankerous, but I've always been like that, you know, I'm the guy that was kicked out of kindergarten for fighting, you know, so, so that, that personality has pretty much stayed with me all the way through my college and military career and so on and so forth. But, well, I think a big part of it, too, is you're welcoming and you clearly have a passion for coaching because when I talk to people, you know, for example, my friends, Kayla and Kevin were out to your house doing yeah. an interview with you for, for their podcast. You know, you're welcoming my friend, Eric Malzone said you used to drop into his box and at, at CrossFit Santa Barbara. And, you know, after you would work out, you would just naturally start coaching people. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You are, how do you, how do you stay, What's kept you passionate about weightlifting at 73 years old? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm on the downside of the bell straight curve, but it, it's fun for me to watch my, my children, Sage, basically, uh, take over, you know, the coaching at Mike's gym and, and all this other stuff. But it's, I, I get to say now, you get to make the hard decisions and I'm, I'm your assistant coach. So none of this pressure is on me. It's on you, but I love working with, I love working with athletes, number one. And if I had a choice to work with any athlete, it would be the ones that are just coming up the pipeline because you watch those people and you give them one cue that works and their whole face lights up. And it's like, Oh, the aha moment is here. And of course, we all know that there's a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot more aha moments, but it's still just a. I don't know. I mean, my coach at Notre Dame was was a Catholic priest that gave me so much, you know, and he was so welcoming and loved coaching. And everybody I've been involved with has just been the guys that love coaching, and they want to see people get better with the passion of the of the sport that they love. And my passion just happens to be weightlifting and I love seeing people get better at it. Well, you bring up, you know, the newer athletes. And when I posted that you were going to be on here, I got quite a few messages to ask you, what are your favorite drills for new lifters? And I don't want to misattribute this quote, but you've said something like 90% of missed lifts can be attributed to foot position, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned that years ago from a from a guy. Of course, and I want to make it clear that everything that I've ever that I coach, I've learned from somebody else. There's nothing there's nothing original that I've ever brought to the table, uh, other than the Bergner warm up, and that was strictly by mistake, you know. So, but you know, I I would say that for me, 
you, you, the fundamentals of teaching are stance, number one, the grip on the barbell, number two, and number three is going to be the positions. So stance, grip, and positions are the fundamentals of teaching, and they have to be taught in that order. And I choose stance, number one, because the barbell and your body have got to work together. It's, it's, it's like a combined center of gravity that when you lift that barbell, you address the barbell and you, and you start lifting that barbell you know, up off the ground through various positions. The stance is going to be critical for you to be able to do that properly. And we spend a lot of time on working on the best foot position where I can get the most effective drive against the ground to create acceleration and elevation on the barbell, you know. So stance for me is is absolutely critical, and uh, I don't I don't know a lot of coaches, especially at the high school level, where where I got my my teeth uh, ground into working with young kids. Um, I don't think anybody worked on their stance, but you know, in my classes in at the high school level, it, I worked eighteen weeks with these kids before I ever let them do a full stance on the platform. So 18 weeks of drills and fundamentals was going into their brain housing groups to make sure that they learned stance, grip, and positions the proper way. And once you have that down and you've taught that to your athletes, then you've established a great communication order. I mean, communication is everything. If I can't get you to do what I want you to do, then it's not your fault, it's my fault. You know, I've got to be able to communicate what I need to that athlete, you know, what I need that athlete to do. And, and the basics of fundamentals, the stance, grip, and position is the first avenue of getting that accomplished. You, you mentioned your coach at Notre Dame, a, a priest there. Who was your greatest influence as a coach? Uh, well, I would, I would say there's two people. Number one, Father Lang was the priest and he he really established that that passion for me and weightlifting and what back then in the 60s no one lifted weights and so no one really knew the benefits of what strength training would do for an athlete and father lang brought me right in as a 165 pound athlete and in you know in a short period of time of six months or so, I weighed 185 and my 40 time improved. And, and that said a lot. And that gave me a lot of passion for being able to take the Olympic lifts and enhance, you know, at least some of the athletic performance that is the tools for becoming a greater athlete. So, I mean, I, I think that that is, he's number one. But then the, the other guy that was really influential of me as an athlete in the Olympic weightlifting arena was Richard Borden and Borden is a doctor of physical therapy and he right now is retired, but he lives in Phoenix, Arizona and he's in his eighties and I still keep in contact with him because he's a, he's a knowledge of Olympic style weightlifting and movement patterns and the science behind it. And not that I understand any of that stuff, but he can, he can explain it to me in a way that, Mike Bergner understands and uh, he can really dumb it down. So I get it. And then I just go back and teach what he's taught me because he's so good at it. Well, that's one thing you do exceptionally well. And I think I've had some amazing coaches on the podcast and they all take a complex subject matter and make it simple. Yeah. And you, I've no doubt for you that stems from your 
How many years were you a physical education teacher? 32 years. So 32 yeah. years of teaching little kids, you have to figure out a lot of ways to make it simple and entertaining. Well, and, and the amazing thing about that, they, they taught me how to teach. I mean, that's the beauty of it is, is I had a 15-year-old one time told me, she says, Coach, you're talking about, you know, stance grip and positions, and I get all that kind of stuff, and you're talking about, you know, the double knee band as being a, uh, you, know, uh, you know, ankle, knees, and hips extension. She says, shit, Coach, why don't you just say jump? <laughs> and she was, a, she was a physics girl, and she was 15 years old, and I was – uh, educated that day <laughs> for sure you I mean you've 32 years in the you know educational world is that what you always wanted to be what did you want to be when you were a kid you know 73 years ago what is that the, in the 1800s where are we at 1940 <laughs> something you know, 1946 is when my mom and dad brought me into this world what did you want to be what did coach Mike Bergner want to be as a you know 10 year old boy it was anything but a freaking school teacher. <laughs> my my dad laughed his ass off. My dad always told me, says, you become a school teacher, you'll be good at it. A teacher and a coach that you always have a job. And I said, Dad, I have to deal with little assholes like me. I'm not gonna be a school teacher, you know. And uh and I don't know, when the cards were made, it was I was gonna be a school teacher. I just didn't realize it yet, you know. So but did you have the typical answer of like a, you know, baseball player, football player? Was that what you wanted to be in the 50s? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, my I was a I was a pretty good football player in high school and I had a chance to sign a professional baseball contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates way back in the day. And of course they were going to pay me like $200 to sign or something like that, but either play with them or go to Notre Dame, one of the one of the two, and so I had a choice to make. And uh, <clears throat> but I was a good baseball player as well, but uh, you know, I was good in track. I was just a good all-around athlete. So you know, football was my passion at the time. And I went to Notre Dame and weighing 168. And the next thing you know, I'm weighing 185. And I'm running faster than I've ever run. But in the off-season, everybody else was sitting around doing nothing. And my off-season was lifting weights and competing in weightlifting contests in the Midwest. So, you know, I mean, so weightlifting kind of came at a late age. For me, because at 10, I wanted to be Stan the Man Mutual, you know, which way older than you know. But I mean, you know, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, you might know those guys, you know, but uh, those were the those were my passionate guys. You know, and then Ray Fossey played on the same high school football, uh, baseball team that I played on. <clears throat> he ended up signing with the Cleveland Indians for 50 grand, which was unheard of. You know, I mean, this guy comes from a coal mining company country in southern Illinois and he's making 50 grand a year just to play baseball and then we were like oh my god you know now now it's it's gone out of the roof you know but uh, yeah so I mean to me I've always wanted to be be an athlete and the last thing I wanted to be was a physical education teacher but you know the way things worked out that's what exactly what I was supposed to do well it's it's worked out pretty well but you were, you know, in the physical education world. What was your first interaction with CrossFit? When was that first time, you know, you and whether it was Coach Glassman or did you stumble across the website? How did you get involved there? It, it's really kind of a, you know, very interesting because it's totally by accident. Uh, 
I got a phone call from USA Weightlifting, and uh, they had this guy by the name of Greg Lassen, who lived in Santa Cruz, that wanted me to run a special level one USA Weightlifting certified level one course, which I did all the time. I, I'd run five or six of them a year to help pay for my weightlifting team. But he wanted to bring 20 athletes down from Santa Cruz to become certified in weightlifting. And so he and I communicated and he brought them down. And, you know, Nicole Carroll was part of it, Tony Buddy and Greg Amazon, all the heavy hitters, Eva T, all these heavy hitters were down at my gym. And I put them through that three day or that I think it was I think it was three day course at the time, a three day course through USA Weightlifting. And I always put my spin on it. I, I ran the curriculum for USA Weightlifting, but I always put my spin on it like I was teaching another physical education class, basically. And Glassman really liked it. And uh, we we had an introduction of Greg Emerson and, and Greg, Ev or, uh, uh, you know, Greg Everett, not Greg Everett, uh, Josh Everett. Uh, and, you know, Glassman put him through a noon workout called, uh, it wasn't Grace, I think it was called Fran. And uh, those two went at it head to head. And it was amazing to watch. And that was the first time I'd ever seen CrossFit. And I'm going, whoa, this guy's on to something. This is really good stuff, you know. And uh, so he and I became, uh, you know, Facebook buddies and email buddies. And we, we send workouts back and forth between Greg and, and you know, Josh. And, uh, and we compare notes. And then, uh, you know, at the time he and Lauren were together and they started a, a wad and he just put it on the internet and that's all it was called the wad. And he's, and it was like the wad and, uh, you know, I mean, then, and then he told me, he says, yeah, this guy out in, in golden Colorado Boulder is going to put on a, uh, CrossFit workshop and he wants us to come out there and do it. And you're not going to believe this coach. They're going to pay me. $8,000 for all my expenses and to get out there. And I'm going $8,000. Oh my God. You know, it's like no one had ever been paid that much money to coach weightlifting or CrossFit or, or anything else. You know, I mean, CrossFit was just getting started. And he um, said, we want you to come out and teach this class. I'm going to give you three hours. And I'm going, shit, hell yes. And he said, I'll pay your way out there. I can't pay you, but I'll pay your way out. So I got out there and I walked into this building and there were 50 Navy SEALs, Marine Force Recon, Army Rangers, you know, firefighters, police officers. There were 50 of these guys in the Colorado area. And this guy charged them $500. And there were 50 of them. So that's 25,000 bucks, right? And Glassman, I, I'll never forget the look on his face when he walked into that room. It was like, wait a minute. This guy's making 17 grand and I'm making eight and I can't even pay my coaches. I, I, right then it was, I knew it. I mean, he didn't say it to me, but I could see it on him. This will never happen again. So we did our gig and it was so much fun. And, you know, it was, it was really an eye-opening experience because I'm a PE teacher and every one of my students can do overhead squats and snatch balances and they can do all this stuff, but not one of those 50 guys could do an overhead squat with PVC. Not one person. And these were Navy SEALs. And these guys were SEALs. They were first responders. They were heavy hitters. They were you know knuckle draggers and they were motivated. 
I kicked their ass with PVC pipe. Literally, they had, they didn't see it coming. And I just, my belief is, is you know, stretching under tension and keeping people in a position that you want them to be in, you know, and then moving them up and down from there. And the PVC pipe, the comments were, Coach, I can't believe you kicked my ass with a PVC pipe. <clears throat> What's it weigh? A pound or something like that? I mean, it's just, it was crazy. So, and then, so Glassman, we all went home and the next week he calls me up and he says, hey, we're going to start doing these seminars once a month up in Santa Cruz. I'm going to charge $1,000 and I'm going to have 60 in a class. So we're going to make $60,000 a month doing these seminars and we want you to be part of it. And I'm going, hell yeah. You know, so I go up there and uh, it was like, wow. You know, I mean, it was the greatest experience ever. And uh, I really had fun. It was just another extenu extenuation of my teaching and coaching because that's what I was teaching. I was teaching my lesson plans and everybody wanted to know what this drill was that I was doing. You know, and it was there were two of them. There were the what later became the known as the burden of warm up. I did, I've been doing that drill since 1975. You know, it just didn't have a name. They all want to know what the name was. And I just, I said, hell, I don't know. I don't have a name for it. I've been doing it since God was a corporal. You know, I mean, it was just one of those one of those things. And and my daughter says, well, daddy, why don't you name it the burden of warm up? And that's basically how it started. <laughs> From me doing a course up in Santa Cruz and everybody wanted to know what the name of this drill was and me not knowing. And my daughter says, daddy calls the burden of warm up. And so we started calling it the burden of warm up. It's funny because every weekend at the level one, you know, when we coach the snatch, we talk about the burden of warm up. And I'm always one thing I always say is, hey, if I made up a warm up, I name it after myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's not it. I've just always done it. I just never knew what the hell to call it, you know? But anyway, so Sage is the one that she gets the credit for it. You know, the, and, and the snatch portion at the level one is, I would say still the most devastating portion of the weekend. For, we get through the day one workout, the day two workout, three hours of breaking out. By the time they're snatching, their legs are just, they're, they're smashed. We have to take it oh, easy yeah. on them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You go from helping at the level ones and back then it was three days. Boz was on a couple of days ago and he talked about how, how hard that three day seminar was. It was just a beat down. When did it go from you show up at those to coach Glassman saying, we want you to have a two day course all to your own CrossFit weightlifting. It, it was a year, you know, I mean, these things were very successful, you know, I mean, they were, they were coming on and they were so loud, you know, and he could have done, he could have done one a weekend if he had wanted to, but you know he was very patient with uh, bringing this stuff together, and he had a he had a game plan, you know, of, of what to do, I guess. And uh, um, after a year, he called me in. And he said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go a different direction, and uh, the direction is going to be where we want you to run a course on your own. Everything is going to be funneled through CrossFit. You know, the, all the signups are going to be funneled through CrossFit." And then at the end of the uh, course, you know, we're going to pay you through CrossFit. We're going to 1099 you. And, uh, you know, you're going to be an independent contractor for us. And, and that, that worked for, you know, uh, about two years. And then I went on and became an S corporation after that. How many seminars do you think you led? 
Oh, shit. In CrossFit weightlifting? I would tell you that my first year, uh, when we went by ourselves, I did five. And, you know, I mean, every one of them sold out. And the sellout was 60 because I didn't know what the hell else to uh, I wanted to let everybody in, right? But we got 60, and uh, uh, that's because I, my, my PE classes were 60. And, you know what I mean? So I thought I could manage 60. And I'd bring in my kids to help me. You know, Casey and Josh Everett and Stefan Roche would be my coaches. And <clears throat> so the first year we did five. Year number two, I did 10. You know, that was, I think, 2000. Six or seven. I so I think 2005 was my first first introduction. 2006, I started running separate ones. 2007, I ran. Uh, I ran. I think you know eight. No, 2007, I did five. 2008, I had a knee replacement, and uh, I ran ten courses at the same time. And then 2009, I ran 40 all by myself, and that was an ass kicker. You know, so. And you That's, were still teaching at that time. I, I retired from teaching in 2008. So 2008, I thought, okay, this is, I'm, I made, I made that first year, I made a significant amount of money just doing five courses and I had to pay taxes on it. I'm a school teacher. I don't know how to do that shit. Right. <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden I'm paying Uncle Sam a shitload of money that I wasn't used to, right? And I didn't know what to do. So, I mean, oh, my God. So the next year when I got 10 signed up, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to get my knee replaced and I'm retiring from teaching. And I was at that 62-year age mark and I had 32 years of teaching. So I couldn't go up any higher in my pay with my school teaching retirement. So I just said, well, I'll retire and I'll do these CrossFit courses and we'll see where they are. And the next year I did 10 and I'm, I'm going, you gotta be kidding me. And of course my wife thinks I'm a genius because I'm making all this money now. And I, I'm still a dumbass school teacher because I didn't know what to do with it. I just throw it in the bank and let it draw no interest in a checking account, not even know what the hell was in there, you know? So <laughs> talk about, Mutt and Jeff, man, I was a typical dumbass when it comes to trying to run any kind of business. Well, people have done worse with, with more money, right? So at least you're putting it in the bank account. You, yeah. I, I remember how big of a deal it was in 2008 when you came to New Jersey. You know, people see now weightlifting seminars every weekend right. around the world. And you guys, you came to New Jersey and like five of my coaches, we were like, we're going, you know, because it was a great opportunity for us. So yeah. one, one thing I definitely want to talk about, and I don't think we need to even ask the question, but you know, what has the, what has the impact of CrossFit been on weightlifting? Oh my God. I, uh, I mean, I, I get goosebumps when I even think about, think about that. You know, I was on the board of directors for USA weightlifting for two terms, I think it was. And right towards the end of my term, you know, the black box came out, you know, that was coach Glassman's the black box theory. And I, I mean, I was hook, line and sinkered right into the black box. And I came back from that, uh, that course out in, uh, you know, Colorado, I came back and started teaching my PE classes, CrossFit and uh, they loved it. 
and my whole school bought into it. You know, we had CrossFit Tuesdays when we had shortened days. I would bring every PE class in the school out to the football field and we would do Tabatas. I mean, we were, we were hook, line and sinkered into it. And uh, uh, at that point I went to USA weightlifting and said, you guys aren't going to believe this. I mean, this guy, coach Glassman has come up with a workout program. He calls the black box. And, you know, it's like a hundred workouts, a hundred exercises in this box. And he chooses eight of them or 10 of them, whatever it is. And you, you know, some people do good and some people at some stuff, you know, and I went on to spout what Glassman always talks about. The triathlete wants to run, bike and swim and the dumbasses don't care what they get. They just don't want bike, run and swim. Right. And so, exactly. I mean, I mean, I'm like, God, guys, this is this is going to revolutionize fitness. And I'll tell you what this if people are going to come up in their households, they're going to be doing CrossFit. And what's Glassman love? He loves gymnastics and he loves weightlifting. We're going to be able to sell weightlifting to these, to these parents and to the people that join these black boxes and have access to the black box theories and gyms. And they thought I was freaking crazy because Grace and Isabel were nasty old women and who would ever do 30 snatches and 30 clean and jerks for time. You're nuts. Bergner, you're crazy. You're just not going to do it. And at the time we had, I think, 3,000 members in USA Weightlifting. You know, our federation was struggling. You know, it just, it just did not look good. And now I think there's like 40,000 members. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're hitting the market. I mean, the Pan American Championships were just outstanding you know we got great lifters that came through the pipeline of crossfit that are lifting weights and and we're lifting at the world level and doing very very well they're meddling cj cummings is a perfect example i mean these guys are outstanding and it all started with crossfit so for me if it wasn't for crossfit and the openness of phil andrews to see the benefit of what the two organizations can work together and what they can achieve. If it hadn't been for that, I, I don't think this would have ever taken place because the old guards doesn't want to progress. They don't want to, they don't want to see things go up. They want to keep it always the same, but the new guard, Phil Andrews, who came in from the UK started running this organization and saw how well we were doing, you know, on the crossfit level doing seminars well, he says, well, bullshit, we'll start doing seminars again as well. And they just, you know, I came in and more and more people started, oh, God, there's a weightlifting? I can lift in weightlifting contest? Maybe I can't go to the games, but I can do weightlifting and compete and have fun. So a lot of people went from CrossFit to weightlifting. And there's a, obviously there's people that do both, but there's been a lot of changeover from CrossFit to weightlifting because weightlifting is so much fun. You know, and it's, you don't have to be in the fetal position when you're done, you know, so it's, that, that's the way it got started. And it's really, uh, you know, amazing to me to see that two people, Phil Andrews and, and uh, you know, his openness and, and Glassman came together with this stuff and really do a good job. And then obviously Roe, Katie and Bill Henniger, I mean, those guys have grown through the pipeline. I mean, they started the same time I did. You know, they had to pass. They had to get a cold beer just like I did, you know, and uh, uh, and now look at them, you know. So 
all three of those entities have just done. It's all started with CrossFit, but they've really helped weightlifting, you know, reach that pinnacle of where, where they are. And it's even going to get better, I think. Oh, yeah, it's still growing. I think for me, I stepped into my gym for the first time in 1993, and I don't think I hit a snatch or a clean and jerk <laughs> until 2006. Yeah. So, you know, and, and like we talk about at every level one, you know, the complexity is exactly why we need it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with, with CrossFit's current push towards health, what do you think the impact will be on weightlifting? Do you think it'll still continue to drive people towards weightlifting? Do you think you'll see, you know, more people in their 70s hitting clean and jerks for the first time? Oh, I, of course. I, I think it's a great thing. and I, I think Glassman's got the right idea. Look, the games are entertaining. They're fun. But they're not what really marks CrossFit. You know, I mean, the, I love going to the games. But you know why I like going to the games? It's because I get to see more people. You know, you get a lot of people from all over the world coming and congregating into one place. But the beauty of that is it identifies CrossFit as being a major community. And to me, the community of CrossFit means everything. So the health aspect of it is a natural. I think it's going to reach more people. I mean, I don't know how many boxes there are now, but there's a ton of them. And, you know, how many CrossFitters are there throughout the world? There's a ton of them. And so the medical industry with diabetes and, you know, over fatness and, you know, the whole point is, you know, through CrossFit, I think it's going to be enhanced. I mean, you're going to see a lot of good, a lot of good health practitioners come out now. I mean, there's doctors that are becoming level one coaches in the CrossFit community, um, you know, and diet and nutrition. And you know, I mean, you guys with your diet and nutrition and EC with hers and, and all these people, I mean, people are starting to finally pay attention to what they eat and how they eat it and, you know, weighing and measuring or whatever is, can be part of it. But I mean, people are becoming much more aware of their health. And, and I think CrossFit's done a major job with that. And I think it'll continue to do that. And I think it's only going to get better for the weightlifting community. Yeah. I think, you know, the more people finding CrossFit, the more people finding weightlifting, because if you walk into a box, you're, you're going to wait, you're going to snatch, you're going to clean a jerk. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you take a look, a look at guy, uh, Matt Frazier, he was a weightlifter before he was a CrossFitter, right? I mean, so you're going to have mom and pops that are 70 years old snatching PVC pipe. I mean, my geezers here snatch PVC pipe. And, and it's <clears throat> if they get little cantankerous, they may get a piece of cold roast steel or something and snatch that and then maybe work up to a 15 pound bar. And all of a sudden they feel athletic again, because what are they doing? They're jumping and landing, you know, and they're, and they're not jumping up to touch a rim in basketball, but they understand jumping. And all of a sudden you're, Oh, sure. As long as I don't have any shoulder problems, I can get this over my head and feels pretty good. You know? So they feel athletic again. They're not just in the gym, some global gym using, machines they're doing exercises that are standing up their feet are on the ground they're multiple jointed exercises they're done in a ballistic manner ballistic for them so it's more athletic and it's like mimics everyday life you know so where do you I get think, these geezers where do they come from oh god yeah they come from, most of them are my buddies you know but we started out with two of us you know and the guy moved up into my area and he and i started a workout and and then I was, you know, 
you meet people and then all of a sudden you invite, start inviting people to your house to work out. And they think you're freaking nuts. But, you know, and of course they're intimidated as hell. But the minute they come up here, we do our, we do our scaling with geezer style scaling. What? Like we, we might be a, we might do a Cindy, right? Cindy is five, 10 and 15, right? But you get to choose the exercises. So like a five might be five burpees or five deadlifts. 10 might be push-ups on a bench because I can't do regular push-ups. And 15 might be uh, air squats, which I can do. So I might also do ring rows that I can do, or I might do kettlebell swings. I don't, or, or 15 ball slams. 5, 10, 15, as many rounds as you can get in 20 minutes will kick your ass with regardless of the exercise. So we do self-scaling. So some, some athletes can't do burpees, you know. They can do, uh, you know, deadlifts or push-ups or at an angle. Or my squats for a, for a geezer are sitting down to a bench and taking your feet off the ground one inch, then standing back up again. That way I can get them to go low enough. Otherwise, if I have their butt touch something, they don't go low enough. But if I bring their feet off the ground for an inch, then they go low enough and they stand up and they can do that. And that's doesn't hurt their bodies. They got to do that every single day. They got to sit down and squat, right? That was Glassman's first thing, you know. That's a really great scaling option that people may not have realized. You're lifting their feet up to basically put their hip below their knee. Exactly. That's a great scale. Do you, are these guys old enough that they're in the middle of their workout and they kind of just forget what they're doing? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, they, No one gives a shit anyway, right? I mean, I got the clock going and, and, and I'm, I'm doing my workout, but I'm not watching these guys. I don't care. I'm just doing it on my own. But you'll see Terry. Terry's, Terry's the resident jokester. So he'll be doing two rounds and all of a sudden he'll go sit down, you know, and he may stay there for five minutes just because he's, He's tired and he doesn't want to do it anymore. So no one gives a shit, but we all work. You know, we work hard and we try to encourage each other. And, of course, our encouragement with Terry is calling him a fat ass, and he's always going to be fat unless he starts working harder. And uh, But, you know, that's the brotherly love that men do. And, and we really don't mean it, but we're trying to encourage him. And, of course, the brotherly love that my wife gives at her, at her Mamba class, Mothers Against Making Bingo Arms, is like, Oh, honey, you look so good. And they know she doesn't. She's like 30 or 40 pounds overweight or more. And she doesn't look good. But the women are going to tell them how, how good they look. And they're going to go blow sunshine up their ass. <laughs> and the guys, the guys just give each other a hard time. You know, my wife just hates it when I'm out in the garage because we just, everybody just rags on each other. But it's, it's probably, it's the brotherly love that we have for each other. You know, so. What's the minimum age to be a part of this geezer class? Well, you can be a geezer in training if you're 50 to 59. So you're a geezer in training. So a geezer is 60 to 64. A super geezer is 65 to 69. And the super stud geezer is 70 to 74. The 75 plus is a day-to-day geezer. <laughs> we, we just hope that we can, you can make it, you know. So on the, my wife's side, the Mambas, that's 10 years younger. So, you know, they're, they're Mambas in training at 40 to 49 and then so on and so forth. You know, it's funny. When I was a kid, my grandfather was maybe in the 60s. 
And I remember barely being able to have a catch with him. And if I didn't throw that ball right to his glove, you know, he didn't catch it and I'd have to chase after it. But to see someone at 70, you know, these guys at 73, what's the motivation there? Like, how do you guys get fired up these days? Is it you just crank Metallica? Is it just, you know, you have to do this to live a good life? What, what do you guys do to stay motivated? What do you guys do to stay I, I motivated? I, I think it's the camaraderie of just getting together every single day. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, looking forward to that time. And I think a guy told me yesterday the best. He says, you know, I really want to thank you for opening up your home because the gym is in my house. It's my two-car garage. But I want to thank you for opening up because it gives us some place to go. And all these guys, my oldest guy is 85, you know, and the youngest is, is 59 or 60. You know, we don't have any – you know, I don't think I have any geezers in training. They're all geezers or above. And and I think that motivation is just coming together as a group and socializing and giving us something to do and staying healthy and, you know, not, not worrying about how many rounds I got today, but it, know that I'm improving, you know, and then that just that, that camaraderie, I think, is is everything that keeps us together, you know, so... So, you know, to be training at 73 years old, you have to be doing some smart things. Way earlier when you and I were talking, you know, you mentioned you don't let your athletes move PVC for, I think you said, what'd you say, six months or 18 yeah, 18, weeks? 18 weeks, yeah. 18 weeks. What's some advice you give CrossFitters? Because CrossFitters, you know, we see Matt Frazier, we see the Tia Claire's snatching this ridiculous weight and they make it look easy. So we think, Hey, we just grab a barbell, throw some blues on there and start snatching. How do you get CrossFitters patient? And how do you, what advice would you give them to ultimately get to that point that they're successful in weightlifting? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's the, my early training with father Lang and then I was coached by Eric Parsegian at Notre Dame and my love of football, Vince Lombardi, all those guys had something in common. And that one thing in common was to work fundamentals and work drills and skills. And for me, that's why the Bergner warm-up even came about back in the 60s at Notre Dame was because of Father Lang's discipline of fundamentals. And, and I think that, you know, if, if we stick to our plan of developing the right way the, the, and you work your drills and skills every single day, then there's nobody that can't do this stuff. Everybody can do it. Now you have the Frasers, but what you don't realize is that Frazier at a very young age was working drills and skills. I know his coach, Chris Polakowski from Vermont was his coach. And Polakowski is a physical educator, just like I am. And we have the same mindset. It's that mindset of you have to work drills and skills. You have to work fundamentals. You have to do your due diligence. And then you only come up when you've achieved that level of success with a lighter implement, and then you continue to move upward very slowly. And I always put it to the test that if you think about it, once I've got an athlete lifting a bar, just a bar, and they've got proper technique with that bar, then I progressively overload the next week. I put on one and a half or two and a half pounds on each side. And I do the same drills and I do everything the same way and I progressively overload. 
Think about what would happen if I could do that every week, progressively overload. Don't worry about anything else but just doing your drills and skills. Just think in a year's time, the amount of weight that I'd be lifting. And I say, of course, a barbell weighs 45 pounds. And if you do the math, it's 260 pounds. So that's 305 pounds. You know, I mean, would you guys be happy if in a year you could snatch three? Oh, yeah, I want to snatch 305 pounds. We know that doesn't happen, but it is going to be a lot better than what you're doing now. So do your homework. Practice your you know, PVC pipe drills every single day. Do CrossFit. You know, get it out there. But if I do the junkyard dog, which is a jumping exercise, and I practice my drills and skills, which is the burger warm up and the skill transfer exercises, and I do my three position snatch from the high hang, mid thigh, and floor, all with PVC pipe every single day, I will get better. And then do my CrossFit workout. That takes me 10 or 15 minutes to do all that stuff. And then I can do my CrossFit workout. And there's going to be two or three days a week where I'm going to snatch and I'm going to clean and jerk. You know, so I will get better, but you got it. You can't think about Matt Frazier and Tia Claire because those guys went through the same thing at a very young age. Matt Frazier, mom and dad were Olympians in figure skating. And I know the fundamentals that were taught him. And with Chris Polakowski as his coach, he started out just like everybody else at a very, very slow and tedious time period, but he got better. You know, so. Well- and that answers people's question. You know, every weekend at the level one, inevitably someone will say, this would be a lot easier with weight on the bar. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> you know, and I get it at the class, you know, people, I can't overhead squat with PVC, but I can do it with 45. Yeah, well, that's just masking a whole lot of problems then. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And it, it, it you know, that's why I, I take in my classes is, you know, I put them in a PVC pipe overhead squat. And of course, as soon as they hit that bottom position, the bar's way out of position. So I'll I'll take him up from that overhead position and I will bring them down to a position where they're still in that good functional position. You know, the hips are underneath the bar, they're in the front, everything's done the right way. But they go down one inch farther and the whole body collapses, right? So I'll hold them in that position for a period of time. I'll make them stretch in that position and go down one millimeter at a time. And it's absolutely brutal. And they, they, they just can't believe it, you know? And then all of a sudden, by the end of the day, they've improved by two or three inches going into that overhead squat. And more times than not, by the end of the weekend, they're now down into an overhead, the overhead squat. And now we start in with the, you know, going into an overhead squat and then bringing the bar on your shoulders and pressing it overhead for that good shoulder mobility. Oh my God. I can, I can tell you, I make them say, thank you, coach Bergner. We love you, coach Bergner. I make them say that because that is, in my opinion, that's the way to get these guys ready to, to, you know, be a functional in the overhead squat and CrossFit movements. Yes, and we all know if we don't say that, there will be burpees as punishment. Yay, <laughs> hey, burpees, right? I, I spoke to E.C. Sinkowski, Austin Maliolo on the podcast, and she coached Austin, and he attributes a period of time where she wouldn't let him use more than PVC. The snatch has always been his weakest lift, and that was you know the first time he was able to snatch over 225 after months of yeah. PVC, and he'd say, like you just said, it was brutal, but yeah. it's what got him better. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, EC, I love EC. Um, she she took my courses early, and we've communicated throughout the time period. And and uh, I'll tell you what, she's a real deal, and she's a great teacher. And and uh, she wouldn't let Austin do, <laughs> do it wrong. She's going to do it the right way, you know. And, and so she's a great coach. All right, last couple of questions, and I got to run. What is your favorite? There's plenty of quote. There's plenty of quotes attributed to you. Do you have a favorite that people say? Oh gosh, um, I think I think the, the favorite once an athlete gets better was always been uh, lift hard and heavy or go home to mommy. <laughs> that that like was, yeah, that's that's been one of my favorites. And uh, you know, I mean, I I just pull stuff out of my butt more than anything else, you know. And uh, I think years ago we had a we had a program at Notre Dame that we called our weightlifting team was called the snatch club at Notre Dame. And so uh, uh, we came out with a shirt obviously that had a guy snatching and it had the Notre Dame snatch club on it, but on the back of it, it said, there's nothing feels quite as good as a good snatch, you know? And, uh, and of course, you know, we're all, we all know what we're doing, but you know, when anybody challenged us on that, we would just say, wait a minute, the snatch is an exercise. It's right there, right there in front of us, you know, but uh, I said, you must have a dirty mind if you're thinking that kind of stuff. So those, (laughs) we were just crazy. That's all. I think every CrossFitter goes through that period of time where just hearing the word snatch is funny and then you hear (laughs) it enough and you're like, all right, my favorite quote from you, and I use it almost every weekend at the level ones, is when the arms bend, the power ends. Absolutely. So, yeah. I say that. I, that is absolutely the, it's probably the most used quote of anything, I, I believe, you know, because that's, you know, that's it. And then, you know, you got full foot all the time, you know, full foot, full time. I mean, you can't, that, that whole movement of the foot is being able to drive flat footed. You got to feel that full foot. Full at full foot all the time, you know, is is a one that I use. And whiteboard, I think, puts it out there as that as well. And I love that that quote in there because again, we get right back down to ninety percent of all missed lifts are attributed to the feet, you know. So, what is one book you would recommend either aspiring coaches or just anybody in life reads? Say that one more time because you cut off from it. What is one book you would recommend? anyone read well i like are you talking about a weightlifting book either either way whether it's to develop as a coach or whether it's just a book you love well i like i like greg Everett's books i really you know his books i think every one of them is uh outstanding greg was an athlete of mine and uh i love his coaching he's he can explain in a easy to understand manner you know what's going on you know, with lifts and, and why he coaches it a certain way. I mean, I know how to get you in the positions I want you to be in. He can get you in those positions and explain why he wants you in those positions in a very scientific, you know, scientific manner as well. Um, I think, I think those are, uh, uh, you know, very important, uh, you know, very important things. And then anything that, and on the other side of the coin, I like motivational books. You know, uh, I like, uh, you know, uh, Lou Holtz's books that, that he's written. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, 
I, I can't remember the title of the books, but it's basically, you know, you, the do right rules. You know, you, he, Lou Holtz only had one rule in his, his coaching, and it was the do right rule. I mean, if you're out at, you know, as, after curfew, that's not right. So you got to you got to do that. And then uh, I guess for pleasure, I really like the, you know, a lot of Lee Childs uh, books that, that he writes. You know, their their mystery, the Mitch Rapp series, you know, and all those kind of stuff, the special forces and podcast or, you know, Mike Ritland, the team dogs and Jocko Willink, all those guys are the, you know, I mean, we're all freaking crazy, right? So I like to be entertained and motivated at the same time. Well, I, I appreciate you being on here. If someone's listening and they want to sign up for the CrossFit weightlifting seminar, where can they do that? They can go to CrossFitWeightlifting.com. I mean, that's the that's the course. Uh, obviously, they can go to CrossFit.com and they can look at all the seminars that, that are out there. And CrossFit Weightlifting is in that. And we run, you know, we run probably sixty co- courses a year now th- throughout the world. So basically, it, uh, they're they're easy to sign up for, and you really do learn the fundamentals of teaching and coaching. Uh, I think that's in very important that our goal is to teach coaches and teachers how to teach in a very safe, efficient, effective manner. You know, so it's, I think they're very, they're very good at getting that, uh, that goal and objective accomplished. You're not at every seminar anymore, but you have an amazing staff. I know Sage coaches there. I believe Ray Regno coaches at some of them. Who else is on the crew these days? Uh, my son, Bo, my son, Bo is, he runs the business basically now. I mean, I'll sit back and help him out if he needs me, but he does a good job. Him and his girlfriend, Sophie from the UK, uh, they run the business and, you know, guys, I mean, we got great coaches from all over, Josh Everett, Stefan Roche. I've got people in, in Europe right now that are, uh, you know, a guy from Poland is a, you know, it's a special operator from the Polish military. Uh, I mean, we, Camille's uh, sister, Rachel, you know, world team member, she's up in our staff in Canada and leads all our courses up there. We've also got a level two now, you know, that is even a more advanced curriculum that really helps with a, a, an athlete or a coach that wants to go up to a higher level, you know, and uh, we can take him up that level and have him, you know, video and look for certain things to coach and to correct, correct my pattern. So we have, we have great, great teachers and coaches throughout the world. You know, and you mentioned Ray, Ray is one of our best coaches. He can, he's getting ready to start, start uh, leading our level two. Uh, you know, we have David Garcia, who's a former world team member leading our level twos. So we've got a great staff. Yeah. Great crew. And I mean, a bunch of those guys are also on the CrossFit seminar crew. So, you know, they're, you know, Josh Everett's one of the best in the world. He's always entertaining to be around. Well, we really appreciate you being on here. Is there anything I missed? Anything you wanted to add to the listeners? No, just, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to me. Uh, I'm here. I'm retired. I have some time. My wife is a yard Nazi and, uh, you know what? I hate working in the yard. So if you will keep me busy with watching videos or answering questions, then, you know, I don't have to work in the yard. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I think that's why everybody loves you because you are approachable. And okay, I think I lost you. I got you. Can you hear me? Well, 
Not sure if he's still there, but I think that's one thing everybody, there we go. Everybody yeah. loves, everybody loves about you is you, you mean it. If you're ever in the area, reach out. You can, you don't have to be a geezer in training to show up. Absolutely. Come on up to Mike's gym and we'll coach you in the Olympic lifts. I'm not so sure I could coach you in CrossFit, but my daughter can, but I can teach you how to snatch and clean and jerk. Well, thanks again for being on. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we look forward to chatting with you again. Thanks a lot, Jason. Have a good one, man. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of Their Day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience? Do you have topics you want us to talk about? People you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.